All right, welcome back, Jimmy B and TC. Trent Condon running solo this segment as I got an opportunity to welcome in one of the all-time best running backs in Iowa football history, a historic season's uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher. Akram Wadley's getting ready for the NFL draft, and he joins us right now. Akram, what's happening, my man? Nothing, man. Just hanging out. Iowa City, just chilling. How are you? Oh, and things are great here. The weather's finally starting to warm up. We put a cap on spring football on Friday night over at Kinnick Stadium. So, hey, we got a long wait, though, before we get to football season. Luckily for us here in the sports talk world, we got the NFL draft that we're, uh, we're talking about. So let's start right there, getting ready for Thursday with the first round and uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, what's your plans? What do you have coming up this week as you are in preparation to hear your name called? Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just spending, you know, my, my last few days like in Iowa and I'll be back in Jersey with my family and, um, we are, we are looking forward to it. You know, we're going to have a small little get together and, um, we all going to just enjoy it. You know, it's it's a time where there's so much speculation. We were talking in one of my radio shows earlier today. I've seen Josh Jackson, your teammate, as high as number four, uh, number five in one mock draft. I've seen him as low as number 45. And, you know, it's the same kind of range for you, even a wider range. You know, there's people that talk about maybe you'd be drafted third, fourth round. There's other people out there that don't even have you in a seven-round mock. How difficult is that? Do you, do you get into that at all? Do you read the mock drafts that are out there? Nah, negative. I don't get into all of that, you know. The only thing matters is the draft that's coming up. I try not to be on social media or get into any of that, you know, because those guys are not coaches there, you know, so it doesn't even matter. So as you you look at what is upcoming for you and in your preparation, what did you go through getting ready for the draft, getting ready for the combine workouts with teams, and then the conversations that you had with teams? What went into that as you're preparing here for the draft? Uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time out in Florida preparing for the Senior Bowl and Combine. Uh, came back prepared for Pro Day at Iowa. And, you know, I've just been enjoying the process. It's been a long process. You know, it's finally over. And I'm just, I'm just, just relaxing. You know, I had the, um, I was happy. You know, I had the uh, pleasure to meet, um, coaches like Andy Reid. I met with the, um, I met with a lot of teams. I met with a lot of coaches. And, um, it was just, it's been fun. Take us in, Akram, to those conversations, if you can. You know, when you're talking to an Andy Reid, when you're talking to head coaches, you're talking to GMs, what those conversations are like. Because, you know, we hear about the Wonderlick test, and we hear about you know, some of the crazy questions that came up. Did, did that happen to you? Did you get anything that just kind of made you take a step back and say, what are these guys talking about? No, not at all. You know, um, I interviewed, I felt like it was about a thousand interviews, you know, pretty much asking a lot of, the same questions, you know, a lot of teams want to know about your background and want to look in your eyes. It's been a few weird questions, but um, <laughs> I just been I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> yeah, you you can't take any of that stuff too seriously. Certainly, at what's going on no, and, and the questions negative. that come in. It's it's wild stuff. Well, a couple of things I want to get into. First, you making your way from Jersey to Iowa City and a Northeast guy. You when when Iowa first started recruiting you, what what were your thoughts? I, I've heard this from a lot of recruits. They're thinking, you know, cornfields and corn everywhere, and and that's all you're going to get. Was that your first interpretation when you're starting to get calls from the Hawkeye coaching staff? Yes, but you know, um, it was the best offer I got. I wasn't, you know, highly recruited out of um, high school, and I always thought, you know, my mindset into going to college is um, whatever college I go to, 
I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be the best that I can be. I'm gonna produce, and um, my name gonna be remembered. It's the same, you know. My mindset is carried on to the NFL, you know. Like just to go back a little bit, you, I'm not sure what round I'm gonna go in, but I know I'm gonna get my shot, and I know I'm never gonna look back. So you, you come to Iowa City, couple first couple years, not a whole lot of opportunities for you, and there there was a lot of talk about. Some fumbling issues. Over is that overblown? Is that dorks like me in the media just overblowing something, or was that really an issue early on in your career? That was that was that was, that was the media. You know how the media take things and run with it. It ain't too much going on out here. You know, you know, body weight. That was a big issue. But you know, I'm, I always knew that, that that's not a, that's not an issue. I've been carrying the ball since I was like six years old. So you know, it just comes. You know, I take the good with the bad. Understand it certainly, definitely get that. And uh, so you, you go through, you get your opportunity, you get more and more playing time. You had that first real big performance against Northwestern. Uh, offensive line was a state of flux. You had injuries all over the place. You get that first big opportunity, and, and then you really wrote from there. Back to back thousand yard seasons, your junior and senior seasons, as, as you go out there. Take us back throughout your Iowa career. Is there is there a highlight moment? Is there one moment that that'll always stick out to you? You'll always remember most about your days in Iowa City. Uh, you know the Northwestern game. I had uh, over 200 yards for a touchdown. That was a huge game for me, and that was like a, a turning point in my career. I feel like that was my best game. Mm-hmm. A lot of great ones. Michigan moment. How about Ohio State last year? That win against the Buckeyes, 55-24. That was, a, that, that, was, that was a real fun victory. We put a beating on them jokers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, sitting in the stands, Akram, I've been to hundreds of games at Kinnick Stadium throughout the years, and, and that was an environment that was so different than anything that I've seen before. I've seen big upsets. I've seen big wins for the Hawkeyes before, but, but just the performance, the way that you guys played – the game plan going into it was it different? Was, was there anything different going into the game against Ohio State last year? No, we knew we knew they was going to bring their A game. We had the match. We had the match. It. We knew who they were. We knew they was talented, but we also knew they was coming off a um, big win against Penn State. The, the you know the previous week, so they 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 were uh, probably you know um, possibly be sleeping on us, and you know we woke them up. You really did, and uh, you, you had a great performance in that one, big plays, and, and it was a lot of fun, defense, offense, everybody playing together, everybody playing well, and, and capped it off with the first bowl victory of your career, that win against Boston College. You got to go back close to home. What did that mean, get to play your last collegiate game there in New York City playing in the pinstripe bowl? You know, that game was everything. You know, I, um, finished my, I was able to finish my career close to home, and um Lots of my family was able to make it. Um, it was just, it was just a great signature win. It was good to lead a jersey in a better place, which we always preach. And uh, it just was a great feeling. It was. It was a lot of fun to watch, no doubt. And we've really enjoyed uh, your time in Iowa City. So you get ready for it. Well, one thing that that's always been talked about: Kirk Ferentz always wanted you to be 190 pounds. It, it was. It seemed like this. This. Just little nugget that he always had out there. Are you up to 190 now before you get ready for the NFL? Yeah, I'm about 193, 194 right now. There you go, there you go. So, well, your NFL coach... It's never been about the way. It ain't about the way that how you perform. That's what I always stuck to. So it didn't matter if I was 185, 195. I always knew I could play. 
that's that. Yes, and, and we certainly saw that throughout the years. Hey, Akram, great catching up with you today. You mentioned uh, talking with Andy Reid. Any other teams that you've been hearing more from? <laughs> any teams that maybe you feel like uh, you have a good chance yeah. of calling your name? Um, you know, I spoke with a lot of teams, a, a lot of teams interested, but, um, you know, I never get into, you know, if you, if they, I don't know if they really interested come draft day. Won't know until you hear that name called. Well, we're looking forward to it. The NFL draft coming up. It starts on Thursday night. Akram Wadley joining us here today. Thanks for your time today, Akram. All right. Thanks for having me. So there's Akram Wadley, former Hawkeye running back and now getting ready for the NFL draft. And you hear a lot of things with Wadley and where he can go. Look, we, we know about what he can do in those short bursts, you know, the, the change of pace. And you go back and look at the upset a couple of years ago against Michigan, the victory uh, against Ohio State last year, even the near upset against Penn State. And in two of those three games, really outside of the game against the Buckeyes and later Akram, he, he really enjoyed reliving that one. You, you could tell that. But, but you know what he can do in the short burst. Now, if this was... Seven, eight, ten, twelve years ago, Akram Wadley, because of his size, might be difficult to see him being drafted in that third, fourth round range. Because at that point, you're still looking for your prototypical, hey, maybe we can find a guy that's going to be Terrell Davis, a guy that you can rely on, that you can have carry the football 275 times, 300 times, those types of things. That's what you're looking for. But anymore, you know, the NFL has changed so much, and they have moved now to having running backs that can do different things, not that workhorse back that you're continually going to continue to pound on. I really think that this sets up in a way that could be very beneficial for Akron Wadley. Now, th- this goes without saying. When you get to this level, when once you get past the first couple of rounds, these are lottery tickets. You know, you're, you're talking about good, solid collegiate players, but for the most part, these guys... They have to go to the right spot, and that's going to be the case as well for Akron Wadley. And it doesn't matter if he's drafted in the fourth round or the sixth. They're not drafted at all. It's about finding the right fit, finding who can take these skills that he does have. And he has some immense skills that, frankly, just don't come around very often with those quick feet and the short burst and the ability to change direction in a phone booth. To use those skills and then put him in the best position. I think he makes it. I believe Akron Wadley, at the very least, will be on a 53-man roster to begin next season because he has something very special. This is a guy, and he talked about, he didn't have very many big offers coming out. In fact, Iowa was certainly his biggest offer. It was, it was Iowa or Temple. Those were his opportunities coming out of high school, and you saw the kind of career that he was able to put together. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and he says, going back home to Jersey, how about that, too? Nice spring day, hanging out in Iowa City. Being 21 years old, uh, the world is uh, Akron Wadley's oyster right now. He's living well over there and then making his way back home, getting ready for the NFL draft. Now, this draft, uh, we've talked about it a lot. Jimmy B, he'll be back here in just a moment. But the, the quarterbacks continue to I mean, confound me in a way. The, the conversations that are out there, the narratives that have been formed, Jim and I got into this to begin the show yesterday, but I look up and down this draft board. There's certainly not a guy, if I was sitting at number one, that I'm enamored with. I don't think that's the case at all. Now, Sam Darnold, it was a whole season, basically, of wanting more from him. After what he did in that Rose Bowl game against Penn State, 
you wanted to see more. We never saw more. And then you go a step further than that. Josh Rosen came in, a lot of accolades out of high school. There was some hype. I bought into that hype before his freshman year a couple years back. But then you have the concussions. The other silly stuff, is he too smart? What's the big deal? So he has other interests other than football. People look at that like it's a bad thing. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers goes on Jeopardy. Pretty smart guy. What, Cal? Knows what's going on. Is that a bad thing? I certainly don't think so. So though that knock I don't get. The concussions, sell me that. Don't sell me that he's too smart for a football. Get out of here with that kind of stuff. And I'm going down with the ship now. I believe Lamar Jackson is going to be the best quarterback out of this draft. I believe that the Louisville quarterback is going to turn out to be the best pro out of all these guys. You've heard me derail Josh Allen for a long time. I don't get it. Now, I saw Ben Roethlisberger in Kinnick Stadium. I've seen some good quarterbacks come through there. Josh Allen wasn't very good. Blame the talent all you want. Carson Wentz, do you see him blaming the talent that was around him at North Dakota State? Ben Roethlisberger didn't have a whole lot of talent around him at Miami of Ohio. And even you go back to the year before when they had guys that were NFL draft picks in skill position spots, at wide receiver, at running back. He was terrible against Nebraska. When he's played power conference teams, he hasn't been good. And you're going to spend a number one draft pick on that? I don't get it. Yeah, guys can look great in shorts, and they can spin it, and they can fire that ball, and they can make all the throws. I want guys that want to do it on that can do it on the field and consistently do it on the field. Hey, maybe he will develop in, but that's not who I'd be putting my money on is Josh Allen to be the guy. Baker Mayfield I loved. Back at the beginning of football season when people, well, he's a small guy. He'll probably be one of those flyers you take in the fourth, fifth round. Yeah, I loved him at that point. A first-rounder, though? I, I think this NFL draft is going to be awesome. I'm, I usually like the draft. It's intriguing. I, I, I get some things that I enjoy out of it. This one more than ever, though, I'm really into and you couple that with what we have locally from Alan Lazard. Now watching him grow up playing football and basketball at Urbandale, then his years at Iowa State, and now I think he's going to go much higher than people are predicting. And he continues to rise up, it seems like, here as of late. Smokescreen, always worry about that. Yeah, got to worry about the smokescreens. Yes, yes, yes. I think we're going to be, you're going to be pleasantly surprised, Cyclone fans, where Alan Lazard ends up. A possibility for the first time since 1987 that Iowa could have two first-round draft picks in Josh, Joshua Jackson and James Daniels. We're talking over 30 years ago. So you got the local avenue. we got the regional teams. Vikings, they sit at 30. Packers and the Bears. Bears, of course, sitting at number 8. And Green Bay will be there at number 14. So you got the locals. We'll wait for Kansas City in the second round as they traded their first-round pick for this year, last year, to move up and get Patrick Mahomes. But is there wheeling and dealing that's going to be happening? What about the Bears at 8? Are they going defense there? They look an offensive line. Vikings, Spielman has always seemed to move around. And Green Bay with no Ted Thompson, you know, with that new front office regime, I just don't think we know. I don't think we know. 
what they're going to do as it pertains to moving up or down. They have needs at the cornerback spot. They have needs along the offensive line. Wide receiver could be considered a need, I think, too. Sitting right there in the middle, moving up, moving down. A lot of flexibility there with Green Bay. Great draft. Still a couple days away, but great catching up there with Akram Wadley, the former Hawkeye, and uh, just one of the most entertaining, dynamic guys to watch. Him in space. Not going to find much better than that. We're coming back on the other side. We will take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Jimmy B, he joins the fray coming up on the other side. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker, 1700 KBGG. Welcome back, everybody. We go all the way till 6 o'clock tonight right here on the Big Talker 1700. Uh, Seth Gruen has been on our program many times. We love it when he comes on because we're going to talk some NFL draft and much more with him. This is always uh, a, a good time, Seth, and Trent and I both are big fans of the draft. We've always liked it, always enjoyed uh, what takes place, but... I just think that this one, uh, coming up beginning Thursday night, is just going to be wild and wacky because I just think so many teams are still trying to move either up or moving down. Do you have that same feeling? Well, I think that's always kind of a game that people play, right? We've seen teams get aggressive and move up into a position because there's a player that they absolutely love and don't want to lose. And then, of course, uh, we've seen teams move down, and that's that's probably – probably more likely when you look at the totality of teams, but it's uh, it's more trendy to move down and get the breakout value because in theory in the first round, you're still trying to get a pro bowl type player, even if it's late in the first round. And we've obviously seen teams have success drafting players in the later rounds as well and getting really franchise type cornerstones. So to be able to pick more, some people think is an advantage, but um, yeah, there's a lot of jockeying for position at this time of the year. Well, Seth, uh, your expertise certainly in the Big Ten there and, and want to start with what looks to be the, the first guy taken from the Big Ten in Saquon Barkley. Some people think the Browns are just going to go out and take him number one or wait till number four. There's a possibility the Giants involved there. A lot of different avenues to go. Saquon Barkley, I saw firsthand at Kinnick Stadium last year and that incredible performance that he put together against the Hawkeyes. As a pro, there are no sure things, but... Boy, it feels to me like he's as close as you're going to get for a running back in today's day and age. Well, yeah, I, I think when you look at the totality of his body of work, um, really very few in recent memory have measured up, even when you look at Ezekiel Elliott, um, a Christian McCaffrey, and, and Todd Gurley, guys who have been taken in the first round. You know, Saquon Barkley is just so dynamic in both the running and passing game that he's a guy that I think a lot of teams are going to have trouble. He, even the Browns, even though they have those two top five picks, are going to have trouble um, really passing on because he, he is a franchise-changing type running back, and I think four running backs of his caliber, we talk about the Ezekiel Elias, the Ty Gurley, there are teams willing to invest high picks and first-round picks in those guys. And that's because I think the running back position is, is coming back a little bit. Um, I think people are seeing that, that you can really build an offense around a, a really capable running back. Look, the Cowboys did it with a great offensive line and a great running back. So, uh, yeah, I could easily see him going number one. I believe he's the most talented player in this year's draft. 
Um, Seth, let's go then to uh, a couple of the Hawkeyes, and let's start first with Josh Jackson, the uh, defensive back. I've seen late first round, early second round. Uh, what's your take on that uh, that you hear right now? Well, uh, I mean, my, my take on it is I think it's tough to spend an early for, or a mid-first-round pick on a guy who has a lot of questions about his ability to cover the deep ball. I think you guys know this, and anybody who watched Iowa regularly knows that his recovery speed isn't all that good. And don't forget, this is a guy who changed positions. In 2015, he changed from receiver to cornerback, so there's some concern that he was a flash in the pan. Now, you like his size, you like his ability to defend the slant, to play aggressively at the line. Um, but, you know, I, I think teams are going to be a little bit afraid of him just because he, A, doesn't have a lot of experience at the position, and B, didn't run all that great at the combine and doesn't have that top end speed usually like from a cornerback. So uh, speaking of cornerbacks, and there's some talk up towards the top about Ohio State cornerback Denzel Ward, another guy with some flexibility and a possibility of going a lot of spots. When you look at Ward, what do you see and where do you anticipate he's going to go? Well, sort of the opposite of Jackson, right? I think you see a guy with that elite speed, that that ability to cover that deep ball, um, a guy who really doesn't give up on, on any play. Um, he's really scrappy, but your concern is with the size, right? With, with these bigger receivers and especially down the goal line when teams are throwing these plants, the question is, can, can he cover that? Um, I, I believe that's more about mentality than it really is physical tools, and I think he's got that. Um, I think he's got that scrappiness associated with him, and I think he's probably the best corner in this draft. Having a great conversation right now with Seth Gruen right here on the Big Talker 1700. Uh, Seth, I'll, I'll take an, another Iowa player with James Daniels. Uh, just because those two guys, uh, at least here in the state, are the guys that have, I suppose, the biggest opportunity to go in the first or second round. What about Daniels at center? Yeah, I think the Mocs that have had him in the first round me to some extent, I think, and that, that speaks to a conversation that I'm really intrigued about around this time of year, is, is, is pedigree, and pedigree associated with certain positions, and do the Iowa linemen and the Wisconsin linemen maybe get a better look or get, get a better draft position because of their pedigree, because Iowa's so well known, not only for producing great linemen, but for really building prospects. And, and really having the ability with, with, you know, with that great, obviously, strength and conditioning program that they've had for years, um, develop the body of college players. So a lot of their linemen come into the league um, really NFL ready. So, you know, would I spend a first-round pick on him? Mm, I, I don't know, but certainly understand why he's getting looks and, and could very easily sneak into that late first round. Seth, uh, NFL draft, there's been a ton of conversations about the quarterback position, and we could see upwards of maybe as many as six guys taken in the first round here. But no Big Ten quarterbacks uh, happening again. You have to go all the way back to what, mm -hmm. Kerry Collins, the last time a Big yeah. Ten quarterback's wow. been drafted yeah. in the first round. Seth, who's the next? Is there a guy currently on campus at a Big Ten university that you could see being a first-round draft pick? 
Well, you know, Trace McSorley certainly could do some things to help himself this year. Um, I think Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, assuming that he's able to win the job, mm-hmm. um, could emerge as one of those guys. Um, beyond that, you know, look, hey, I, I don't want to discount Nate Stanley either. He had a really, really impressive year that last year, and, and it's kind of we talked about on the show and, and, and on my podcast, I was certainly um, shifting its offensive philosophy and stretching the field vertically a little bit more. Um, Alex Hornibrook, I, I don't think he's going to play himself into that first round, though I think it's possible he has an NFL future with all, all the winning he's done there. Obviously, Michigan hasn't been able to develop a quarterback. Um, it's just interesting because it's really a, a, a conference that's still ground and pound and relies heavily uh, on the running back position. And then you, you look at Scott Frost, I don't think with the way they play, they're going to produce um, a first-round draft pick at the quarterback position. So uh, it's really slim pickings in the Big Ten, I'd agree. Um, but McSorley maybe gives you the best chance. And then whoever whoever Ohio State has on its best side, probably. What do mm. the Bears do now? Will, will, will Trent have a smile on his face after the draft, or will he still be bummed? Well, look, I can tell you what I'd like to see them do, and I'd like to see them trade down and then draft Calvin Ridley. Now, I know there are a lot of questions about Ridley's size. I think he weighed in at the combine just a shade over 180, but I think he's a really talented receiver, a game-breaker who can take the top off of coverage. But Deshaun Jackson, obviously, was undersized and um, has had some success in the NFL. They certainly, I think, need to still address the offense, put some weapons around Mitchell Trubisky, but I could just the same see them going on the defensive side of the ball and just looking to address the offense later in the draft. I will say this, a glaring need for them, despite what Matt Nagy has said about Jordan Howard, is going out and getting a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on your program, but I said it on Sports Talk Live on NBC Sports Chicago just uh, last week. I think Adam Wadley's a great fit there. Uh, you, you guys know all well, all too well uh, what he's been able to do at Iowa, and I think that had the Big Ten not been so loaded at the running back position this past year, he would have been celebrated a little more, but he seems to continue to be under the radar of scouts and general managers, and, and I just love to see the Bears scoop him up because I think he's got an NFL future. Well, uh, growing up a Hawkeye and Bears fan, there hasn't been a whole lot of them. you got to go back to the Hilgenbergs. Back in the 80s, before uh, you see the Bears and Hawkeyes together, we've seen Packers, Vikings, even the Chiefs uh, here regionally dial in, but not the Bears a whole lot throughout the years. Bears do have two picks in the fourth round and early in the fifth, sixth, and seventh with Akron Wadley. Certainly like that idea a whole lot, Seth. Well, let's uh, let's take a look forward. I mentioned quarterbacks looking to the future in the Big Ten. Spring football basically in the book across the board. You talked a little about a Trace McSorley, the number of quarterbacks that Ohio State has. And then he talked about Alex Hornibrook. So Wisconsin, again, mm-hmm. looks to be loaded for Bear coming into the year. Hornibrook had that great Orange Bowl performance last year against Miami. Do you see a step forward out of Hornibrook, or is he just a guy that is kind of who he is? Relies on that run game, can make some plays down the field, but is still going to turn it over a bunch? Yeah. <laughs> Flicker last year. You alluded to it uh, certainly in the bowl season and then the second half of that Michigan game. I, I, I believe in him. I believe in his ability to be an all-league quarterback. I believe in his ability to be the type of quarterback 
that um, can lead this team to the college football playoff. I, I think the big question is around Paul Chris, right? He came in as a quarterback whisperer. The questions were about his ability to coach other areas of the program and to be able to recruit, and I think he's answered the call in both the latter two. Um, but here, here he has a talented player, and the question is, can he get him to take that next step? Here again, I, I believe in his ability to do that. Um, I think it helps when you have, well, the Heisman front runner, as we talked today, uh, sitting behind you taking handoffs. I think that takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, but I do believe that Hornerbrook can eliminate some of the turnovers. And I think if you go sort of play-by-play, play, not all of them were necessarily his fault. Um, certainly some of them were, but you know, I believe in his talent. He's got a lot of experience, and I do think he can take that next step. Interesting, interesting. Okay, Seth, uh, before we run out of time, let's quickly uh, do a little baseball conversation right now. Uh, right th- now, you have some teams that got off to tremendous starts with Boston and the New York Mets, and then some of the top teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees uh, just kind of floundering around a little bit. I also noticed that that this season, the beginning of the year, that Major League Baseball had more games postponed that they have like in years because of the poor weather. So my question after going through all of that scenario is, will we now start to see the so-called better teams start to take advantage of the better weather and start to stake their claim uh, in at top spots in their divisions? Well, look, baseball certainly a game of streaks. I think everybody's playing under the same circumstances, good weather, bad weather. I don't think that necessarily favors the perceived more talented teams. But I will tell you where I believe those teams have an advantage is when the schedule becomes an everyday occurrence and teams aren't getting days off that they thought they would at the beginning of the season before all these cancellations and teams are having to play doubleheaders. That's when depth really rules. So I think that's when you'll see teams like the Cubs like the Dodgers, although the Dodgers are on a winning streak right now, like the Nationals, uh, make a charge there. I think when you look at these divisions, they're only separated by two, three, four games from those teams, and I know that it's been a disappointing start to the season and that we're almost 20 games in uh, for most of these teams, more than 20 games for many of them. Um, it, it's certainly disappointing, but you know it's but a sliver of the season, and, and I expect the law of averages to bear out here, and then most of these teams be at the top of their divisions. Would I be surprised if maybe Washington was on the outside looking in in October, or maybe even the Cubs with the Dodgers? Not, not necessarily based on how they've looked early on, but for all of those teams to remain at the bottom of the division, I think it's highly, highly unlikely. Good stuff, Seth. Hey, always appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon, all right? Yep, thanks, guys. Seth Gruen, you can find his work, the Big Ten Unfiltered Podcast talking all things Big Ten, and you also see him on NBC Sports Chicago on Sports Talk Live. Jimmy B., uh, back to the draft for a moment for you. Okay. Uh, I, I found some props, as, as you know I'm, I'm wont to do. and <laughs> So I, I think this is very telling, though. All right, so they have uh, prop over under Big Ten players selected in the first round. Very simple. Five and a half is the number. If you go over, you got to lay juice, though, minus 175. If you take the mm-hmm. under of five and a half, plus 130, but this is the thing that, that's surprising, and it goes back to something we've talked about in the Big 12 
as it pertains to recruiting. The over number for Big 12 players selected in the first round is two mm-hmm. and a half. Two and a half in the Big 12 this year. And this goes back years. We saw that dip out of Texas as they were going right. through the coaching yeah. change that they had. Oklahoma taking a step back nationally in their recruiting rankings for a couple of those years. And there just aren't those national programs anymore with A&M and what they used to be able to do. And, and it's showing up here in the NFL draft. Two and a half, the over-under. Wow. It's cyclical, but it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with recruiting. And I know sometimes they got to bring you kicking and screaming into recruiting, Jimmy B., but it matters, and I think it's showing no, up right here. I, I do. I, I agree with you from that standpoint. Look, the, the the first Big 12 guy that goes off the board is Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And then, I, and, and when you said that, now I'm trying to scratch my head here and figure out, okay, who's next? Is it a wide receiver or is it a lineman? Well, it's not a wide receiver. Th- there, there isn't a wide receiver that you there, would look at out of the no, Big 12. No, no, a lineman. Yeah, I mean, there there just isn't a whole lot there. James Washington is certainly the best receiver that's coming out of the Big 12, and most people have Tim Pegg at, at best a late second-round pick, probably third round for him, unless somebody gets enamored. And, and it just goes to show you the Big 12, and and the depth isn't there where, where it once was. When you saw a multitude, five, six, seven guys being selected in the first round, just isn't the case anymore. Just thought that was kind of telling, seeing that at least uh, something yeah. that you could actually bet on and put real money on is uh, that number. And, and the other thing I brought up was Seth, Jimmy B. Kerry Collins, 1995. Yeah. Yeah. Penn State. The last Big Ten quarterback. So who would you be putting your money on? Who, who would be the guy oh, currently man. on a Big Ten campus that you would select to be drafted in the first round? I, I have one that might be a little bit more under the radar. Wh- who do you think? Man, I'm just kind of running my... Uh running guys right now through my head. That Jim Harbaugh guy at uh, Michigan, he can't go. He's out of eligibility, right? Well, and he's, yeah. he's old so, now, so I don't think he'd be yeah, first rounder yeah, he's, he's probably still the best quarterback in the Big Ten. Um, well, you could go. Look, Shea, I get the, Shea Patterson I, could be a guy I, if you want to talk about yeah, Michigan. I mean, he, yeah, could I could do that. You could go that route. You have Christian McCaffrey's little brothers Caffrey. on campus. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. down the line. Obviously, that that could be. A how about Rocky? How about Rocky Lombardi? Well, that's actually where I'm. <laughs> that's where I'm going. Though I'm not going with Rocky. I am going with the starter there, Brian Lewerke. Who really? I mean, okay, he improved so much as the year went on, and we saw the beginning of that maturation last year in the game against Iowa. But you look at the season that he put on. He threw for. You know, had over 3,000 yards of total offense. He can move around a little bit. He's got decent size. Hornybrook, no. You know, McSorley, he's going to run into the same problem Baker Mayfield. Mayfield was able to put that team on his shoulders. McSorley's going to have to do the same kind of thing. Not a big guy by any means. Probably six foot is all. You know, Seth brought up Dwayne Haskins if he wins that job at Ohio State. But you're talking about a redshirt sophomore. He'd be eligible, but I think you'd want to see some more tape there. But Lewerke's a guy, certainly, I think you got to take a look at. And, you know who's prototypical? The guy over in Iowa City, Nate Stanley. He's got the size, 6'5", 235. He's got yep. the size to go along with it. And you know what, Jimmy B., if, if he puts up even better numbers than he did this year, we've seen quarterbacks a lot less impressive to me than what we saw at moments out of Nate Stanley decide they're going to make a run at it. I, I'm, I don't want to go way card ahead of the horse here, but Nate Stanley, mm-hmm. at the very least, he's got the size. He can spin it. Maybe that's a guy that might have a decision if he puts up another big year next year. You know, that's a very good point. And 
I'm hoping that he does, Trent. I'd, I'd like nothing better than to see improvement because that is really not the M.O. for Iowa QBs. Look, I if he's if he really turns into a real top flight quarterback, I think I think then he would really have an opportunity to uh, make a case for himself in a, in two seasons uh, with the NFL. So, and you're right, he's he's big, he's strong, he can throw it. Smart guy, understands the game well. So I, I think all of the pieces of the puzzle are there. It's just will that improvement take off uh, at, at Iowa, and, and will he climb to that next rung and put his name in that kind of hat that has, you know, four or five, just like coming out here in the draft. You got four or five QBs where everybody is circling the wagons to get one of them. That's what I hope happens to Stanley when he gets ready for the draft. One thing having a guy drafted, and there's been plenty of those throughout the years, but a first rounder, you're getting into rarefied air. You got to go back 23 years, last time for the Big Ten. We're coming back. We'll put a cap on things on the other side as we take you up until 6 o'clock. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody. It's our final segment of the day on a nice day in the capital city. All right, Trent. Look, last night uh, it was interesting uh, with the hockey and the NBA, and I'm going to be locked in again. But before I, I get into the NBA and the NHL playoffs, I want to mention that the Cubs and Cleveland, I, I, I'm going to watch some of this as soon as we're done here. Just just because I, you know, it, it takes me right back to that World Series matchup. And uh, I, I guess I'm excited just because those two teams put on such a great display uh, in that World Series confrontation. So I will be dialed into that game as soon as we're off the air. Yeah, already underway in that one. And yep. an early start, you got the Yankees and the Twins already underway. So a little baseball happening early tonight. And, uh, well, I'm going to be wondering if I'm actually going to be able to see it because I haven't been able to get it here on the computer. Not NBC Sports Chicago. It's not on, you know, any of the locals, KCWI. Supposed to be on MLB Network also, and it's an either-or. You either get the Twins, Yankees, or Indians, Cubs, but we're in the blackout territory for that. So Mm -hmm. it it just might be a black screen, and that's all we get. So I'll see about that one when I get home and – and probably complain about it. Jim, you know what I'm maybe most excited about tonight? Three What's NBA that? games, but the, the one that starts first, and it's the game that doesn't get the big national coverage on TNT, it's NBA TV with Bucks Celtics tonight. That, that's a point yeah. of viewing for me. Yeah, I'm dialed into that one as well, Trent. Look, uh, Milwaukee showed me a lot. Uh, really did. Down 2-0, win the next two at home, and the freak is being the freak. And look, this is this is turned into in the East. It's turned into some pretty good basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington, Washington has battled their way back to even it with Toronto, and they're not playing tonight. But the Miami Philly series, I think Philly takes care of business and eliminates Miami. And I think San Antonio gave it that one game shot. And rightfully so at home. And now Golden State will take care of business this evening. 
dangerous, Jimmy B. We're, we're agreeing on both sides of this one. I, I think both of those uh, that series is danger. finish up tonight. And, uh, well, no hockey tonight, so won't be able to dial into that. Yeah. We'll get a Game 7, though, tomorrow. I know you're salivating already with the thought of a Game 7. I love Game 7s. You know me, man. If, if it's hockey or the NBA, I am, or, or baseball, I am just, I love Game 7s, just the drama and everything else that, that takes place. I I really get jacked about Game 7, even even if I don't have, you know, I, I don't even know who the teams are. I, I mean, it could be pickleball, and if it's a Game 7 in a tournament and it's on, I would probably watch it just because it's a Game 7. Yeah, that's a little too far for me, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm not I'm not quite that. It, it's got to be something that at least interests me just a little bit. It, yeah, pickleball doesn't exactly do it for me. I, I'm not going to go down that road, I don't think. And, uh, well, we mentioned some baseball that's already underway tonight. Yeah. You know what we get this evening. Late late night, Jimmy B, late night viewing for you. you got to be locked and loaded. Shohei Otani against the Houston yes. Astros lineup. Yes. Oh, man, I can't wait for this one. That's why I'm kind of glad that uh, some of the NBA's on earlier. And this is going to be fun. I mean, the defending World Series champions and Otani on the mound for the Los Angeles Angels. The Angels, by the way, snap Houston's winning streak just the other night. And so those are the two best teams out west right now in the American League. So this is going to be appointment television to see how Otani does against that, uh, that powerful Houston lineup. Look, George Springer... The guy's like rolling. Every time he comes up, it seems like he's jacking one out of the yard for the Astros. So this is going to be fun tonight, Trent. And I know you're a baseball guy. Mm -hmm. So if you get a chance to tune in, I'm pretty sure you'll be locked into this as well. Yeah, and uh, that won't be late night, though. It is in Houston, so it'll be a 7-10 first pitch there, uh, just to correct myself. And and though Otani certainly is a story nationally, Charlie Morton has been ridiculously good this year. He's got an ERA under one right now. He struck out 33 against just six walks this year. Best guy on the bump tonight. Might not be Shohei Otani. It very well could be Charlie Morton. So, little good baseball locally. We get Kansas City. They're hosting Milwaukee. St. Louis. They're hosting the Mets. So, a couple of mm-hmm. decent games. Uh, baseball. St. Louis. St. Louis Mets is a good yeah, matchup. Yeah. That's a good matchup tonight. Couple of division leaders. Yeah. So, uh, a nice night of yep. baseball. Of course, the NBA. And we'll be back tomorrow to put a cap on it. Jimmy B. Have a good night. Thank you, buddy. You too. And we will see everybody again tomorrow, bright and early, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right here, Jimmy B and TC.